and we are back. This is Alexander Juan Antonio Cortez, and this is the Out of Health. So, subject for this podcast, the subject of keys of progress and indicator movements. So, keys of progress are what I call, I guess the fancy term, for knowing your indicator exercises. So, what does this mean? This means, I'm just going to get straight to the point on this one. This means that when you are training, and you're, you are training to build muscle and get stronger long term. So you want to be bigger, you want to be stronger. You need to have key lifts, key indicators, that clearly demonstrate to you that you are in fact getting bigger and stronger. What does that mean? That means that you need to have lifts at which you continuously make progress on throughout your training career. So for something, let's say like chest, chest shoulders, I want to have a bigger chest, I want to have bigger shoulders, you need to determine what your lifts are going to be for those two muscle groups that will, like I said, indicate that you're making progress. For chest, you have options. It could be flat dumbbell bench press. It could be low inclined dumbbell bench press. It could be barbell bench press. It could be inclined bench press. It could be some sort of hammer strength chest press. For shoulders, same thing. For shoulders, you have seated dumbbell presses. You have standing overhead presses. You have Smith machine high, high incline presses. You have, let's say, maybe incline bench presses, a really good shoulder builder for yourself. But the point being is that for each muscle group, for each primary movement pattern, too, you have, let's, let us say, two to maybe four. Eh, it could be more. Let's just say Let's call it three. You have three key lifts to indicate to you that, yes, I'm making progress on this movement. Yes, I am making progress in regards to muscle mass. And so long as I continue making that progress, I will keep getting bigger and stronger. Now, this, this concept carries over into, into movement effectivity. Movement effectivity, referring to how effective is this exercise relative to the goal. So... You can do lots of different exercises. There are thousands of movements that you could conceivably practice and utilize in your training on a daily basis. Which ones should you be doing? What does it really mean to make gains long-term? What does it really mean to become healthier long-term? What it means is that you get bigger and stronger long-term and that you have things which you can manage. You have measurements you can take. If your incline bench press increases from 135 to 275, conceivably, rationally, logically, your chest and shoulders should be much bigger. And you should, obviously, you are a lot stronger. You're a lot stronger, so you should be bigger. If your front squat goes from 95 pounds to 225 pounds, so you go from squatting a quarter to squatting two plates, your quads and your legs overall should be bigger. If you deadlift, let's say stiff leg deadlift, if you stiff leg deadlift, 225, and then you are able to stiff leg deadlift 315, your hamstrings and glutes should be bigger. You can apply this effectivity filter, you can apply these keys of progress to any muscle group that you want. There's no, you know, there's, there's no constraints on this. And when you're trying to figure out what does it mean to train on continuum, training on continu- continuum means you make progress on a continuum. It means you make progress in the long term. This is something that utterly escapes people, escapes the, the average person, the common man, the common woman, because they train, they work out, they exercise, and they measure things by how hard stuff feels. They measure things by how much they sweat. They measure things by how many calories did I burn. And those things really don't matter. Your perceived exertion 
Yes, it's important to some extent, but it's not truly relevant if you're not making any progress. You could train with relatively low intensity a half hour, four days a week, but if you continually make progress in the long term with size and strength, then your training is extremely effective, and it would be it would be inappropriate, <laughs> let's say it that way, to grade your training on, oh, well, it didn't make me sweat a lot. My heart rate didn't get up too high for most of it. So what? Those things are only relevant if you're training for cardiovascular progression. And if you are training to improve your cardio, the same keys to progress apply. Are you getting faster? Is your heart rate variability improving? Are you able to run longer at a relatively lower heart rate intensity? The principles are no different at all. Again, these are things that completely escape people. We don't think of exercise journaling this way. We think of exercise, like I said, with exertion, with sweat, with calorie burn. We don't think about whether we're getting bigger or stronger. A lot of people assume that's just kind of like a random process. I've realized as a trainer over eight years when I talk to people and I ask them how they measure things, how they assess things, they really don't have a system. The average person, in a way, just assumes that you know, some people look that way, some people don't, some people get big and strong, some people don't. Some people have that kind of body and some people don't. There is complete ignorance as to the fact that there are logical, coherent, scientifically based systems of practice and thought and study that have gone into all these subjects. So with keys to progress with your indicator lifts, over your training career, over your time in the gym, you need to approach this as a continual process of experimentation. This is N equals one, and you are the one. So with your training, you are continuously trying to find what is most effective for yourself. You are your own case study. So when you go into the gym and you do a workout and you're going to exercise, say you're going to do a chest workout, what movements work best for you? What exercises do you feel best suit your body type? What style of training is most effective for where you are at. And these things can change over time. Don't subscribe to the idea that it is a fixed system that you are trying to find. It's not. As you train, as you get bigger and stronger, as your technique improves, as your motor coordination improves, as your neurological drive and muscular innervation improve, as all, as all of these things increase, your training is going to change with it. Your, your training will change as you change. So do not think that, like I said, that this is some static, you know, holy grail program that you're looking for. It's not. What you're trying to find is what is most appropriate for yourself, what is most effective for yourself. So that just comes down to, on a very simple basis, what exercises work best for you. It may be that barbell bicep curls are kind of aggravating in your elbows. That's very common for most people, the level of external rotation and Supination can be, you know, it can be aggravating. It's not for everybody. So maybe it works better that you do dumbbell bicep curls. Maybe it's better that you do easy bar curls. Maybe cable curls. Really, you feel that a lot. Maybe the preacher curls. Maybe the the preacher uh, curl machine. Maybe the bicep machine. Whatever the case may be, you need to find those two, three, like I said, maybe four movements that really work well for that muscle group. Do the same thing for triceps. Same thing for shoulders, chest. Back is a little more confusing, uh, a little more complicated because your back has multiple, multiple planes of motion. So for back, it's almost helpful if you look at it as a, sort of like two sections. I've, you know, I've differentiated as vertical movements and rowing movements. What rowing movements work best for yourself? What pulling movements work best for yourself? 
It might be that pull-downs are phenomenal for you. It might be that weighted chin-ups and pull-ups and close-grip pull-downs are your go-tos. Uh, it might be that rack chin-ups work great. It may be that one-arm dumbbell rows just kind of feel awkward, but doing it chest-supported feels better. Maybe T-bar rows. Maybe bent-over barbell rows. Maybe not bent-over barbell rows. Maybe bent-over cable rows. Whatever the case may be, you just need to keep cycling through movements, trying things out, and then making determinations of what works, what doesn't. The dog crap training system is based upon the principles that I'm just discussing right now. So that's not a suggestion per se that go train good dog crap style, but for those who have no idea what I'm talking about, the dog crap training system is based around this idea that you take all you, you, know, you divide your body up into muscle groups, you pick three key movements for each muscle group that you're going to hammer and practice, and then you have three different workout variations that you cycle through week over week over week. So it takes sort of nine weeks to cycle through everything at least, uh, what, three, nine times? I'm probably screwing up the numbers. Yeah, let's see, three weeks, A, B, A, B schedule. So a complete training cycle on a dog crap system is about six to 12 weeks. And basically what you do is you just have three versions of each workout for upper body and lower body, and you keep hammering your key indicator movements over and over until you stop getting stronger at them. And then when you plateau, you change your movements over to different movements that you can begin making progress on again. And what you find is over time that all movements kind of work in some degree or another, but in changing your movements periodically when you plateau or in keeping the movements the same for a while, you're able to, again, make continual strength and size gains. And it all always comes back to those key indicator movements, those indicator lifts. You have to find your individual keys to progress. For myself, I've sent this out to my email list uh, I think it's the thing I sent out to my email list a lot, maybe last week. I, I've had a few emails about this, but I talked about how with my training, I know what my key movements are, and I shared my training. I shared the, the lifts that I prioritize in my training, and obviously there's variations to all those lifts, and that can be confusing for people as to, well, what's the best one to do? I, there's not necessarily a best lift, but there's three really good ones that work, or four really good ones, or I focus on maybe there's six really good movements, but I choose, but I'm focusing on these two or these three right now in my training. And when I, you know, stop making progress in those, when those slow down, I'll change them over a bit to the other ones. But I shared this on my email list, and what I shared with you guys is nothing that you can't find for yourself. But like I said, excuse me, this burped. <laughs> like I said, you have to be conscientious and be aware. In the gym, you need self-awareness. You need the mindset of self-mastery. You need to approach yourself as you, as a human being, are something to master. Your being is something that you can master. You are a master of being. And training is a part of that. You approach your training with awareness, with conscientious action. You approach it with intention. You plan and prioritize and manage it. And over time, these things become automatic you progress from you know you progress from incompetence to you know i mean to use the scale you have unconscious incompetence then you have conscious incompetence then you have conscious competence and then you have unconscious competence what does that mean in the beginning all these things i'm talking about if i just confuse the hell of you it means in the beginning you have to think about them a lot and over time as they become more automatic and they become more familiar they become things that you just do out of way of habit and ritual, and you don't have to think about them so much. But the overall emphasis being that you have to apply some thinking to your training if you want to make gains. You have to apply some thinking if you want to get big and strong. 
This is not just a purely physical, mindless act of doing. You got to think about it, guys. So, those are the keys to progress. Those are the indicator movements that you need to find. Try stuff out. I'll say that in most cases, compound movements are usually going to be your go-to money movements, but not always. Not always. Isolation movements can, in some instances, be equally as effective as compound exercises in regards to building size and strength. So, take these principles, apply them to your training, figure yourself out, sort yourself out, sort out your training, and I'll say good luck to you guys, train hard, and I'll talk to you again.